so much of this book is about um, coming to terms with things and kind of facing your life as it is and finding beauty and the sort of magic in the present moment, even when things um, are difficult. Hi, I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life and the lives of those around her. Hi, I'm poet and writer Maggie Smith, and welcome to Sylvia and Me. Maggie, I am so delighted to have you with me today. Um, And you mentioned you're a poet. You're an award-winning poet. Uh, In fact, it started off with uh, the award-winning Good Bones, which from what has been said about it, and, and I agree, it explores the idea that the world is not necessarily a morally good place. You mm-hmm. focus on the idea that the world is 50% terrible, that being a conservative estimate. Um, can you talk, we're going to talk about your newest one, but I'd like to go in a little bit about the background. Uh, good Bones, can you tell us what the process was? How did that start? The poem itself? The, the poem. I mean, yeah. when, did you, when did you start that? That poem I wrote um, at a coffee shop in my neighborhood in the summer of 2015. Um, I think you know, nothing specific had happened that sort of precipitated writing that poem, but I was thinking about my kids who are, you know, still young, but were younger then, and thinking about how do I how do I orient them to the world? How do I tell them about this place that I've brought them to? How do I shepherd them through times that I don't even understand really myself and process with them? And how do I protect them? But how do I you know, remain an honest parent also and always holding that tension? How do I shield them when possible, but also I don't want to lie to my kids about this place I've brought them to. And so really the poem came out all in one rush. I mean, I think I wrote that poem in 20 minutes, which is not normal for my process. That is not how it works usually. Um, I tend to write poems over months and sometimes even years uh, in many revisions and sometimes sort of going back to the drawing board and rethinking the whole thing. So this one came out in kind of a rush. and, and luckily I had no idea how many people would read it because I wouldn't have trusted a poem that came out that fast enough to send it, to send it out for publication if I had known, you know, someday that Meryl Streep would read it. Well, but um, yeah, but it, but it happened. And I love how you, you talk so honestly and basically it's raw when you bring children into this world, we want our children, yet at the same time, what are we bringing them into? We really at times don't even know. We want to protect them. We can't always protect them. As you said, you don't want to lie. And we also have to give them the freedom to kind of fly a little Mm. without protecting them all the time. And that poem is that Meryl Streep read it and it went viral in 2016 and you became an award-winning poet. From there, you the 
it, it was like a breakout, keep moving. It was a collection of essays and affirmations. Keep moving notes on lost creativity and change. Um, tell us a little bit about that because from what I read, they were actually Twitter yeah. tweets that you were doing and you were you had this inside of you and you were just honestly putting these out there. What and you were going through certain things because it was about loss and it was about grief and it was about, you know, affirmations. What um what got you even started tweeting? Because uh, it's a lot of personal stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to that point, when I started working on Keep Moving, I'd published three books of poems. So I was like, well, poems are what I write. Like, I'm a poet. So that's what I do. And um, my marriage ended. And I had a really hard time in that moment writing poems. Um, I just, I was having a hard time accessing that part of myself that could make a poem happen. Um, luckily, I got back to it because there are some of those in the new book, but I, I was having a hard time back then. And so I started writing these little, I call them notes to self, um, affirmations, these little quotes, really just for me every day to kind of help me get through that day. And the first day I wrote myself a little note and I tweeted it because I just thought, you know what? everybody's going through something. But if our social media space is so curated and so protected that everybody just sees when things are going well, <laughs> you know, sees our clean house and sees our well-behaved children and sees our nice lives, then I think it makes us feel more alone because we just see that everybody else has it together and we must be the only ones who don't know what to do next. And and so, you know, posting on social media was kind of way of uh, a way of coming clean for me and just saying, you know what, I'm not going to go into specifics about what this thing is in my life, but I am struggling. And every day I'm going to write myself a little note to help myself feel better. And maybe it will be useful to somebody else. And it was so surprising to me how many people attached themselves to those notes to self and saw their own struggles in them. That's it. You just, you know, sometimes we're so, we hold back saying anything because we might think, well, people have bigger problems than I do. No one's going to understand. There can't be anybody in my shoes out there. Uh, and when we do talk and we do open up, the world opens up. It opens up for, for you and putting it out there. And as you said, wow, look at all the people who are able to relate. And then once it's like a domino effect, once mm -hmm. one person does, another person does, and, and then all of a sudden, and that's exactly what happened. And it was very brave to be able to put that out there. Because again, just like you did in that one poem, now you have affirmations um, that are, again, raw, they're real, and they're honest. Yeah, I mean, thank you. I think in, in some ways that honesty is community building, right? Because people see that you're being authentic. Um, and it's not all it's not all smiles, like not every day is sunshine. That's just not realistic. Um, you know, hopefully we get periods of sunshine every day, 
Um, but it's, it's not realistic. And so I found that, you know, being honest in, in that space was sort of a gift that I could give to other people because then they saw themselves and things. But also I got this sense of community at a time when I was really struggling and feeling alone. And suddenly I had all these other people reaching out and saying, oh, this really helped me. Or this reminds me of when I went through my divorce or I'm 10 years down this path from you and I'm, I'm here to tell you it gets better. And that kind of feedback um, was, you know, life-changing. You know, working on that book was life-changing for me. Well, again, that's the thing. We, we have a habit of holding things back in because we think, well, no one, you know, they're going to feel sorry for me. Nobody, everyone has larger problems. And we don't realize that the minute we say something that is as raw and honest, there are so many people out there who are so grateful mm. that they could even tailgate, take that and move along with it. And you started it and they're able to continue and continue. And that's, that's really what community is about. And, and communication is really being able to have those moments, the ups, the downs, and know that life isn't just one straight line. It brings us up, it brings us down and, and look where you are now. Yeah, um, I would not have expected it. I would not, I would not have expected it, but, but you're right. I think we give each other permission too through what we share to share other things. And so I know there are things I've read or conversations I've had that have made me feel braver that have given me permission to share pieces of my own life. And so if, if I've helped give one person permission or um, make them feel like they can say the thing that they've been kind of swallowing, um, that's, that's great. And as you said, if you give one person, all it takes is one. Yep. We don't have to look to, to change the world because changing one person that again can change others and people don't understand that. It doesn't have to be something that you're setting out to change the world, um, but you can one little step at a time. Oh yeah, there, we don't ever, I don't think we ever really see the ripples, um, how far they travel when, when we do something, especially if we do something you know, out of kindness. We don't see, we don't really see those impacts. We just have to trust that they're happening. Now we're on to your newest book of poems, which comes out, um, we're talking in the middle of July. It comes out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And it's called Goldenrod. And I could not put it down. As I said, I, I picked it up last night. I read it in just a couple of hours and it was so moving because you touch on so many different things. Mm. And poetry is not what we would think it is from school and growing up. Poetry, uh, especially your poems, they encompass so much. Each one talks about so many different uh, things, whether it be passion, whether it be bringing children to the world, immigration, a sick child, a divorce, a marriage. Can you go into how 
Uh, you said you wrote Good Bones in 20 minutes, which is not a usual thing. <laughs> so this uh, goldenrod takes place over several years, a few years, including before the pandemic, during the pandemic. Can you explain how, what was one of the first things you wrote? I mean, when did you start and you, and you knew that this needed to be done? So a, a book of poems is kind of a different animal from any other kind of book because at least for me, I don't set out to write a book of poems. I just write poems and I write them one at a time. And I usually get to a point where I have written so many poems since the publication of my last book that I realize I have enough poems to make a book, probably more than enough poems to make a book. So I get to a point where I print everything out that I've written since the publication of the last thing. And that's the sort of magical moment where I get to see what I was doing all along, but had no idea because I haven't been writing with a book in mind. I haven't been trying to write on certain themes. I haven't been really censoring myself at all. It's just when I get an idea, I write it down and if I can build it into a poem, I'm very lucky and I do it. And so Goldenrod is really the sort of, not just the best poems I think I've written since Good Bones, but the best poems that seem to be in conversation with each other. So I printed everything out and then I, I, I pulled out the ones I didn't love. And then I looked at the ones I still loved with an apology to the ones that were not going to make it. Um, I always feel a little bad for those guys. And then I looked at them and thought, okay, which ones seem like they want to travel together? Which seem like, you know, which ones have echoes in them? What, what imagery comes up? What tones come up? Um, what subject matter comes up? And, you know, it's magical, but honestly, if you're writing over the course of several years, you're probably kind of obsessing about the same things and you don't even know that you're doing it until you print everything out and you think, oh gosh, there are a lot of flowers or a lot of birds or my kid's dialogue is in a lot of these or clearly I was um, watching the news and trying to sort of parse out some of what I saw happening in this country in addition to what I saw happening in my home. And as you said, um, anyone who reads this can tell that it goes through all of those segments of life. Your children are in there. Your marriage is in there. There's some politics that are in there. There's what's going on in today's world in there. Um, walking your dog and having, you know, with the leash and being able to see yourself. Mm. There's so much in there that there is a theme going through it. I can understand why you picked them, mind you. I don't know what you didn't pick, but <laughs> the ones that you did pick are relatable. Oh, they so really glad. are. They, they um, and as I said, I didn't know what to expect, but I couldn't put it down because they are relatable because you do go into so much and you write it in a way that you can sit back and a person can actually close their eyes and see themselves in some of those situations, which um, I'm hoping that's what you were aiming for because that's what you've done, which is fantastic. So I wanted to ask you if you could read one of your poems. And sure. uh, I 
gave you a couple that were <laughs> I, that resonated with me. Not that were better than the others, but really stood out. So yeah, pick one. Uh, I think I'll read Bride um, because you brought you brought that one up, and my book was just um, open to those pages. The one I have here on my desk, Bride. How long have I been wed to myself, calling myself darling, dressing for my own pleasure, each morning choosing perfume to turn me on? How long have I been alone in this house, but not alone, married less to the man than to the woman silvering with the mirror? I know the kind of wife I need and I become her the one who will leave this earth at the same instant I do. I am my own bride, lifting the veil to see my face. Darling, I say, I have waited for you all my life. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. I don't know anyone who, any woman actually, who could not relate to that. Um, it, it speaks so much to what so many women um, have gone through or think. And that last, you know, sentence is beautiful. Oh, thank you. So, I mean, the poem began with the, the sort of image of, of the veil lifting and, but it's you, like it's you're, you. you're, you know, the idea really of sort of being your own best partner in life and being there for yourself, regardless of whether you are partnered it doesn't also in life or, or not. The, the idea that, that core relationship is a relationship with self. And if that's not on solid ground, then probably nothing else is either. Well, that has always been something that I will repeat all the time. You have to be able to look in the mirror and love yourself. If you don't, no one else is going to. And yeah. you can't live waiting for somebody to give you that. You have to be able to get up in the morning, look in that mirror and say, I'm fabulous. <laughs> Whether you feel like it or not, I'm yeah. fabulous. Because going about that way just makes you feel, I mean, if, yes, as we've talked, we had bad days. You went through a divorce. I went through a divorce. Mine was probably easier than yours. It, it, everyone has something. But if you're not able to finally lift that veil and look in that mirror and accept yourself, um, it's difficult to expect other people to accept you. And it's difficult to go on and really enjoy the parts that you can enjoy and get through the ones that, you know, are, are not so great. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we think so much of marriage as choosing another person or being chosen, right? I want to be chosen. I want to choose you, but I think we need to choose. Um, we need to choose ourselves also, you know, we need to choose to prioritize that, that relationship. So when you started writing, I don't, I, I apologize, but I do not know how old your children are. I assume they're they're young. They're pretty young. They're now um, eight and twelve. So okay. yeah, third grade and seventh grade. <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> it, it happens. Mine are thirty-seven and thirty-four. It just happens. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Happen. I'll have that age spread. My I will have a thirty-four and thirty-seven-year-old at some point in the future. Also, when did you start? Because. Goldenrods talks about 
your children. And to me, it also talked about when you were pregnant mm. with one of your children. Uh, so has the process, has how you write differed at all as your children are growing and when you have them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I have written about sort of family life since before I had kids. I was just writing from the perspective of a daughter and a sister, but I was always writing about sister or mother-daughter relationships even before I became a mother myself. And so when I became a parent, it was like, oh, I've been writing about all these things in, in this sort of removed way. And now this is the big sort of existential shift that I get to have in my own life. And I don't, I don't know how not to write about them. I mean, I think at first I didn't write poems after my daughter was born because I didn't know what my poems would become. Like, am I gonna write poems like mommy poems? Are they all gonna be about my children? Have I gone soft? What's, you know, what's going to happen now? And I didn't know how to do it. And I thought in some ways that writing about them would be strange and that I should keep my poetry separate from my life in my home. And, and over the years I've realized that's just a really false dichotomy. I mean, my life is in my poems. That's where I put things. And so you noticed that Goldenrod has all kinds of life in it. It has my life divorced. It has the life of me, you know, at the end of my marriage, it has my life as a mother. It has my life as someone trying to process the news. So it's the time I spend with my kids is my best time. Um, and it's also the most, they're the most, um, the people I spend the most time with. So if that subject matter were off limits, I'd be in trouble because so much of the, the best conversations I have, um, so many of those conversations are, are with them and always have been, even when they were three and four, they were still the most interesting conversationalists in my life. Because if you've ever had a conversation with a four-year-old, about anything, <laughs> you're going to have a good time and learn a few things in the process. Well, we started off this conversation by talking about being real and talking about um, in, in Good Bones, um, how questioning how you bring a child into this world, looking at this world, I'm in this world, do I, you know, uh, what's going on and, and so on. So how could you not, as you said, bring your children in? And you do it in such a way that is is natural. Oh um, I, I I can't again, and I'm you know uh, repetitive sometimes, but it's on a different thing. I can't imagine anyone who doesn't have children who wouldn't relate to some of the feelings that you express within the poems. Being pregnant with your daughter, going through your son being sick. Holding yeah. him like, uh, like you said, like I believe it was like a like guitar. A guitar. <laughs> guitar, thank you. Um, yeah. like, uh, but it, it's all it's all down to earth, and it's it's beautiful. Uh, how did you come up with the name Goldenrod? Well, usually when I'm trying to title a book, the first thing I do is I go and I look at all the titles of the poems that I'm going to include in the book. And then I, I try out different ones because what I'm really looking for is something that sort of feels 
representative of the collection or feels kind of metaphorically freighted, like it ha has a little weight to it and can speak for the whole book. Um, so I wouldn't have called the book, for example, Walking the Dog, even though I really like that poem, it just doesn't feel representative of the whole collection. So there were a few that I toyed with from the book that I thought could work. And um, Goldenrod is the one that won. And I, I think, you know, I, I like that poem a lot in the collection and I always want the title poem to be one of, one of my favorites, but also um, Goldenrod is, you know, the scientific name means um, healing, to heal or to make whole. And it's a, it's a plant that often people think of as a weed, but I think it's beautiful. So again, it's about perception. Um, and, and the idea of, of it having sort of healing properties appealed to me because so much of this book is about um, coming to terms with things and kind of facing your life as it is and finding beauty and the sort of magic in the present moment, even when things um, are difficult. There have been articles recently, um, New York Times, HuffPost, uh, about the fact that poetry is uh, almost like medicine in today's mm. world. How do you even describe that over reading, let's say, a fictional book? What does poetry, I mean, I know what I got out of reading it last night, but you as a, as a poet, how do you see that affecting people in today's world? Yeah, it's it's funny. I think particularly during during the pandemic, which I'm speaking about it like it's past tense and it's not. Yeah, but past tense. you know, it's not past tense at all, but I think I mean uh, personally I had such a hard time both having kids at home and trying to work at home and feeling a little bit frazzled. My attention span for something like a novel was not great over the past year or so. But books of poems are something that I can, I can kind of dip into. I mean, I can read it front to back in one sitting if I want to, or I can pick it up and I can read a poem or two. And I, I always feel better, even if the poem is sad. I always feel better after engaging with language at that level. And I think, you know, as a, as a writer of poems and as a reader of poems, I tend not to go to them for comfort, even though sometimes I find comfort there. I usually go to poems to be changed. Like I want to discover something about myself or relationships or the world. And I want to sort of have the furniture in my brain kind of moved around in such a way that they cannot go back into those old grooves in the carpet. You know, I've just, once I've read this description of a tree it doesn't change my life, so to speak, but I'll never look at that kind of tree the same way again. You know, those ripples, we don't know how we're impacting people. If you change the way that someone sees something, that's something. And so that's really what I go to poems for. I think that is a kind of, a kind of, a kind of medicine or maybe even a kind of magic. It's like alchemy, you know, you, you go to it for change. I agree with you. And it is a medicine because it, it can magically, a novel you have to concentrate, whereas a poem you could take one, you could take two and magically be transported or have something that you've gone through all of a sudden come back to the forefront of your mind and go, wow, 
I know what she's saying. And um, it, it, it was, a poem. It, it, it's, it's a beautiful experience. It really is. So Maggie, you have enough for another collection. This one comes <laughs> out in just a couple of weeks. Actually, yeah, it comes out, I believe it's July 27th. That's right. Yeah. So now, now the time is to get cracking and see, how, see what happens next. See what, what comes next. Well, we're going to be hearing this when people hear it. It's going to be two days after. I believe that's Thursday, the 29th of July. Because I think, uh, especially in, in today's time, this is a book of poems that people should read. They're, they're really, they're, they are medicine and they're magical. So okay. Maggie, I thank you so much. Where can people find out more about you? Uh, my website is maggiesmithpoet.com. I have to, I always put poet at the end of everything. So no one thinks I'm the dame. <laughs> I'm not. So maggiesmithpoet.com or on social media, I am at maggiesmithpoet there also. Well, Maggie, I want to thank you so much for doing this today. Oh no, this has been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please share it with another person you think would be interested. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. Join me next week when I talk to another extraordinary, inspiring woman. This has been a Life of Prey production.